Well, happy Father's Day, men. So good to have you this morning. Statistics came out this year for how much it costs to raise a child born in 2012. And your investment is $235,000 for the next 18 years. About 70000 goes to housing and you got child care and transportation, and it goes on and on. Now, back in 1960, it only cost $25,000. Now, guys, I just want you to think for a moment. Uh, if you had a choice in how you spent your money, $235,000, that's a lot of money. So, let's look at some different options of what you would choose. Now, first of all, we see option A, and that is this. An adorable young child. Option B is this. A red Ferrari about $235,000. Now, let me show your choices one more time so you can give some thought to this. Option A is this. Yeah. Or option B is this. Yeah. Hey, take that down. Yeah, what's going on there? <laughs> I know that there was no hesitation whatsoever, as you saw uh, your choices there. Dad, we want to thank you for how much you love your kids. We want to thank you for working for your kids and your uh, family. Oh, commuting, traveling. Uh, working with all different types of people, some you like, some are you know, difficult, uh, demanding, all kinds of stresses, deadlines, complications. Thank you for working so hard. Thank you for uh, coming home and working some more, and taking care of the yard. It's on the video. Uh, Taking care of the house, being Mr. Fix-It, expected to fix anything that breaks in so many different creative ways. Thank you for investing so much time in your children, whether it be taking them places, uh, playing with them, taking care of their needs, and the time that you sacrifice. The other thing is that you'd like to do that you don't do, because your kids are a priority. We celebrate you today and uh, all that you do uh, for us. Now, I want to uh, remind you of the great challenge that you have as a dad. Because when a baby is born... When you become a dad of your first child or your second child, uh, you got some real obstacles to overcome. Let's check out the Minnesota crime study. It says every baby starts life as a little savage. He's completely selfish and self-centered. He wants what he wants when he wants it. His bottle, his mother's attention, his playmate's stories, his uncle's watch or whatever. Deny him these, and he sees with rage and aggressiveness, which would be murderous were he not so helpless. He's dirty, he has no morals, no knowledge, no developed skills, 
This means that all children, not just certain children, but all children are born delinquent. It permitted to continue in their self-centered world of infancy, giving free reign to their impulsive actions to satisfy each want. Every child would grow up a criminal, a thief, a killer, a rapist. And that's true. Your job is to help transform that child into a Christ-centered individual who shines Christ's light in the world. Jeremiah wrote about this problem that the Minnesota Crime Study summarized so beautifully in Jeremiah 17:9. He says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? We are born with a heart that is bent on doing our own thing, following our own way. We have a heart that is at the core of Sinful. Now, that's just the first part of your problem, guys. The second part of your problem is the culture encourage this sinfulness, encourages sinfulness. I was doing some uh, research on the Internet and went to the Parent Television Council, and I looked at the top three comedies today, and this is their description about whether it's suitable uh, for children. Let's look first of all. At uh, the Big Bang Theory, uh, it features frequent sexual dialogue content, the past sexual relationship between Penny and Leonard, Bernadette and Howard's bizarre love life, and anatomical references. Language used in the series includes uh, these words. Another popular comedy is Two and a Half Men. It's not appropriate for children of any age. I would add adults also to that. Uh, language includes these words. Far worse than that, frequent use of foul language is a constant barrage of sexual scenes and jokes. Even though Charlie, that Charlie Sheen, promiscuous character is gone, the sexual content is not abated. The jokes about men wearing women's underwear, sexually transmitted diseases, prostitution, threesomes, and visual and audio sex depictions rampant. Walden is shown nude with his private areas uh, pixelated. And the worst offender, still a very popular family guy. Now in its tenth season, this series delivers some of the most vile offensive content on broadcast television. Sex is constant with virtually every episode of Wash and Lewd sexual references or taboo topics such as incest, bestiality, and pedophilia. Language is a major issue with words such as you see there used frequently. Now, the very disturbing thing, not only are adults watching this, but the vast majority of children are probably watching some of these shows because the vast majority of adults do not monitor what their kids watch on TV. They're just happy to keep their kids quiet no matter what they might be watching. And just to think of tender young minds being filled with this type of evil content. And then, of course, you think about the Internet. Internet is a blessing and a curse. Of course, we talk about pornography and what a scourge it is in our society and how kids 
kids can go on the Internet and just with the tap of a mouse bring up softcore, hardcore pornography. And, and what this puts into their minds is going to impact them for a lifetime. might lead them into addictions. It uh, certainly is going to impact their sexual relationship with their wife and lead to an increased amount of criminal sexual crime. Uh, what's happening today is just scary. It's scary because parents are not monitoring their children in regards to everything else, of course, that's on the Internet as well. Any type of sin you can find information about. I know that uh, you guys are monitoring that kind of stuff. But then you, <laughs> your kids go out and they talk to the neighbor kids and the kids at school and their parents don't care, so they're sharing all these values and information and you just can't get away from it. We're part of this culture. And so it's so challenging to raise children to be Christ-centered and to be pure in the way that they live when they're just being inundated by messages that are just the opposite of what's taught in this Word. And, and we know who's behind it. It's Satan. Satan is a master designer of our culture. And clearly it states in 1 Peter 5, 8, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Now, Satan wants to devour your kids. He wants to uh, kill them. He wants to cause incredible pain in their lives. Now, if Satan showed up like this, we would uh, take notice. In fact, this is a picture taken back in October 2011. I don't know if you remember, you know, over in Ohio in October, there was a wildlife reserve. I think it was the owner. He committed suicide and let all the animals out, like 50 animals, lions, tigers, all kinds of wildlife, and they just went wandering. And, of course, everybody went wild. And uh, you can imagine if you lived near there and you had kids and heard about this, you'd make sure that they were inside. Fortunately, about 43 of those animals had to be uh, taken down. But Satan doesn't usually show up like this. Now, this is what he wants to do. But he's very subtle. And so what's happening with the children in America is that uh, you have all these images coming from Satan's culture, basically saying, disobey God, you know, follow my way. And it's a barrage of images. And it's like a slow developing cancer in the brain. And you don't see it. Well, Usually don't see it in, in little kids as they grow up, but as they hit their teenage years, you see it more, and especially as they move into adulthood, about just what are the bottom line values in regards to what's right and what's wrong, and you know what should you pursue in life? Uh, the pursuit of uh, certainly your sexual desires. Uh, we see that all over the place in terms of how Satan has perverted that beautiful gift of sex, and then 
just material things that God gives us for pleasure. Satan's taken and saying, hey, that's what you got to worship, and more and more stuff, and ambition, and success, and he twists everything, and he keeps feeding it to our kids. And the challenge for us as dads is what do we do uh, for a counterattack against Satan? What do we do to help our children to have a foundation? Because you see, uh, in that first 18 years, as you know, it's so critical in a child's development. And either uh, they're going to have a trajectory that's set toward Jesus Christ, or they're going to have a trajectory that's set toward one of Satan's counterfeit values. And it's our job as dads to make sure that we do everything we can to send them off in the right direction. Another way we see Satan's work is in John 10.10. The context is about we as sheep. Uh, The thief comes only to steal the sheep, kill, and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he wants to do with your kids. You've got to be fully aware of that. But Jesus says, I've come to give you life, and you might have it abundantly. That's why we need to teach our children the Word of God, because this is where the truth is found. God is a designer. This is the instruction book. And this is where they're going to find real life. But they're not going to hear that in the world. The only place they're going to hear that is from you and from other Christ followers and from groups that teach the Word of God and books that talk about the Word of God. And that's what you need to flood your child's life with. Because if you don't, there's a high price to pay. The stakes are very high, men, in regards to your leadership of your children. If you just say, okay, my child is 10 now, let's say, and I go out 20 years. Uh, let's say that uh, I, I'm just kind of out of the picture, 10 to 20, whatever, minimal time with my kids, just consumed with work. And uh, what does that mean? What kind of impact can that have in my kids' lives? Well, tremendous amounts of impact because there's more of an opportunity for Satan to implant these seeds that will grow into strong values of materialism and sexual perversion and all those different types of things. I mean, you think about your child and who they marry. And, and first of all, who they marry. I mean, if they're not on track with Christ when they marry, they might marry anybody who doesn't care about Christ. And when they do come back to Christ, hopefully at some point, they're going to realize, well, oh, I've got a real problem here, right? Uh, or it might lead them to sexual addictions, uh, lead to affairs, pornography addictions, other type of addictions to cope with life because they haven't found the true peace in Jesus Christ, and they keep searching, and therefore they become addicted to certain things, or maybe they develop a problem with anger. 
and and it just creates devastation uh, with their wife and kids and everybody else they come in contact uh, with, or it's just an emptiness that your kids and, and you know your kids are 30, 40 years old, and there's just an emptiness in their lives because they don't know the truth of the love of Christ and what it means to abide with Christ and and uh, just do life with Him. And uh, that's how important this is, dads, that we be spiritual leaders in this area because the stakes are so incredibly high. We look at Ephesians 6.4. This is the job descriptions for dads. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Notice it doesn't say mothers bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That's not seen in Scripture. Now, of course, it's a joint effort and things like that, but, Dad, you are called to be the leaders in this initiative. God says it's your job to lead the family. It's your job to lead the spiritual education of your children. Now, there's a lot of ways we invest in our kids, certainly academically. That's a big one. Uh, we want to make sure that uh, they're doing well in school and they're doing their homework and that uh, if there's any problems, any areas they're failing in, that we help them to get the resources they need. We're having parent-teacher conferences, help them with their homework, all that kind of stuff. And then we have uh, social activities. We want them to develop socially and physically, so I have them on a football team or basketball or soccer or, you know, whatever, or dancing or cheerleading, gymnastics, all, all kinds of wonderful activities. But here's a question you need to ask. Are you as intentional about your child's spiritual development as you are their academic development or their social development? Now just think about that question. Are you as intentional about spending time and putting a plan together and thinking about how are they developing spiritually opposed to how are they developing academically or socially? And Paul says, hey, it's great to train the body, but to train the soul is the most important thing. I tell you what, in 30 years... It will not really matter that much how well they did academically. It will really not matter that much how many different social organizations they were part of. What will matter is if the seeds of the gospel and the truth of Jesus Christ was implanted in their hearts. That will be the most important thing. And that's what we all need to be reminded about. As fathers, I know some of you guys are here and you're saying, hey, listen, I I don't even know if I'm a Christ follower. Well, for you, I would encourage you this summer to make that a priority and saying, "Okay, I'm going to figure this thing out. But I really do believe about God. And we would love to assist you with that. Just uh, uh, let us know. But the gospel, John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. It's all there. God loves you. As we talked about, we're all born a sinner. There's a penalty of sin, eternal separation from God. Jesus Christ 
was sent by the Father in order to pay the penalty for our sin, to take our place so that we wouldn't have to suffer for eternity. And all we have to do is accept that. So just a real simple prayer of a sense saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. I repent of my sin. I can't work my way to you. I take you into my life. That, that a real quick explanation of what it means to become a Christ follower. And so, again, I encourage you to pursue that just for the sake of your kids. I mean, if you think that there's any possibility that this could be the truth, it's your responsibility to read about it. We've got books we can give you. Just let us know. Just go, go searching on behalf of your children, if not for you. Because if it is the truth, well, your kids need to know. Now, if, you, if you're already a Christ follower, maybe for whatever reason you plateaued, uh, whatever. I mean, now it's time to, to, you know, step up. You know, man up, get your game up, and uh, get back engaged on behalf of yourself and especially your kids. And I know, I know that so many men feel inadequate in this area of spiritual development. You know, they, you can teach them sports and, you know, all kinds of types of life skills, and that's great. But again, you need to teach them spiritual skills, and you just have to humble yourself and, and just say, okay, I'm going to learn. And your wife, many times, will be happy to teach you, and there's all kinds of books, and we have men's small groups, and all kinds of opportunities for you to learn how to lead your family spiritually. And they can, your kids can know more than you, and you still can lead them spiritually, okay? So please, you know... We can encourage you in this way, and that's our, certainly our desire. But, but, but it's got to be through the Spirit, Ephesians 5.18, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Dads, you cannot do this on your own. It's only through the power of the Spirit that comes into you when you become a Christ follower. And I, I know personally as a dad, my kids now are uh, 16, and um, there are 19 and 21. And uh, I'm still praying. <laughs> I say, oh, give me patience, Lord. Lord, give me wisdom. You know, my kids are making big decisions about their futures. And I'm saying, Lord, I'm not sure what to tell them. Give me wisdom. I, Lord, fill me with your spirit. My, the spirit's within me, but I give control of the spirit over, uh, uh, I give control of my life over the spirit in order that you might do supernatural things through me because I, I, I fall short in my role as father being able to uh, make the impact. So I want you to work uh, through me. Now, uh, one thing I really want to stress, and Dad, you need, really need to understand this, is that, and that you do not hear this from our culture, is how important your role is. Dads are marginalized in this world. Dads are made fun of typically in any type of uh, caricature, whether it be... Uh, animated uh, TV shows or uh, sitcoms, whatever. Uh, dads are so important. One study I always remember is about how uh, they followed men who were actively engaged in a relationship with Christ and actively engaged in the church. And they followed them, and they found that 70% of their kids followed in their footsteps. But then they, they studied dads who were kind of checked out, and the mom was actively engaged with Christ and the church. And only 5% of the kids that came from those homes were engaged in the church 
as adults. So if the dad was leading, 70% stayed with Christ in the church. And if the mom was leading and the dad was checked out, only 5%. Now, again, for those of you who are single moms, God gives incredible grace in those situations. And even uh, if you're here today and your husband is checked out on spiritual things, God gives incredible grace. But there is truth to this, dads. There's truth to this, that God has designed a family system in such a way that you have incredible influence. In fact, just something from my own mind here. I would say that everything you do spiritually is ten times more influential than what your wife does. Everything you do spiritually in leading the family is ten times more influential than your wife does. Right? Now, certainly wives are very important. Mothers and raising their children to love the Lord and that type of thing. But dads, God has given you a unique gift to make an impact upon your kids. So even if you're just a young Christ follower and you can have such an impact, every change that you make in your life, the more you live out your Christian life, the more you are involved in the church body, the more that you initiate prayer in your home, the more you, you know, go through a devotion, that makes an impact on your kids. The more I've been studying lately over this past year about generational effects in families, uh, the more it uh, impacts my personal walk with God and my influence upon my kids. I understand how deep it goes because you've heard, you know, the sins of... Uh, uh, the children will be visited upon you know, three generations. and uh, What's well, really true? You think about uh, uh, Joseph and the amazing you know, color, color dream coat. Uh, well, Jacob was, was showing favoritism uh, to Joseph. Excuse me, Joseph. And, 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 but that didn't start there. It started three generations before. Because if you go back, you got Abraham and Sarah. They were showing favorites. And one of their kids was Jacob, and Jacob married uh, Rebecca, and they started, uh, no, excuse me, Isaac came from Abraham and Sarah, and Isaac married Rebecca, and they showed favoritism in that family, and then Jacob came from that family, and he showed favoritism to Joseph. So it goes three generations back, all right? So what this means is, is that my great-grandfather impacted my life. Part of my great-grandfather, in a sense, is within me in regard to the family patterns. Because as I grew up in my home of origin, uh, my dad was influenced by his father, and his father was influenced by his father. You see what I'm saying? And it really, it's powerful when you start to study it. And the fact that how I live my life and how I train my children is not only going to impact them, but it's going to impact my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. Wow. That's pretty serious stuff, isn't it, when you think about it? Dad, you are really, really important. And so we really need to get serious about this stuff. And we really need to, to think hard about this and, and let God work 
in uh, new ways uh, in our lives. So, what is, what's the most important thing you can do for your children? The most important thing you can do for your children is to grow spiritually. Because if you're growing spiritually, you're going to pass it down to them. We're challenging everyone uh, in our family here to have a regular time with God. And summer's a great time to do it. Hopefully you have a little more time <laughs> than other parts, times of the year. But uh, we call it the daily office. And we just want, to t- want you to take 10 to 15 minutes a day. Silence and solitude. Don't do it in the car while you're driving. <laughs> no, you can pray, but, but just take 10 to 15 minutes where you're alone and you can really be with God. And I would encourage you always to take the first couple of minutes to slow down because we are going so fast. We don't realize how fast we're going, how fast our mind is moving, how we're moving along. And if you're going to listen to God, you've got to slow down because God, God requires that you slow down to listen to Him. Just take a couple of minutes and you might want to just use some type of phrase to kind of breathe in, you know, slow me down, Lord. <laughs> Say a prayer to Him. And then, uh, this is a helpful acronym uh, that Rich passed on to me, but uh, SOAP, S-O-A-P. So you take any passage of Scripture, maybe just a verse, uh, a verse that really makes an impact upon you. It might come from a devotional. It might be just a verse you come across that you're interested in uh, looking at. But just every day take a verse and uh, take that verse and then observe it, you know, take a look at it, study it. Look at its context. Look at the words. And so what, what is, what's this verse really saying? And, and you're asking the Lord to really teach you through this, okay? And, and then, then you say, okay, well, what is this verse saying in my life? Is, there, is, is the Holy Spirit telling me something about my life right now that I need to change, an attitude that I need to uh, correct, uh, a belief uh, that I need to uh, uh, embody? Uh, and then to pray, just to reflect upon that verse and, and let that verse sink into your soul and ask the Lord for the power to be able uh, to do that type of thing. So that particular type of uh, orientation, that's one way to do it. If you just did that on a daily basis, spend some time with Jesus, because the problem is, is that most Christians are living off the spirituality of other people. They'd be a pastor or a small group leader or somebody else. You know, they're traveling too fast to, to take time to feed themselves, to cultivate a relationship with Jesus where they, they, they sense his presence and his power. It's always just kind of like, you know, I'm just taking information. In. The goal is not to take more information in. Most of us have enough information, you know, uh, from the Word of God for a lifetime. It's, it's internalizing it. It's making that connection with Jesus that uh, is so often missing and why we feel so empty inside, because we're not communing with Jesus Christ. All right? So, again, I want to challenge you in this area. The only way to develop a relationship with somebody is to spend time with them, and that's true of Jesus. Uh, The Daily Bread is the uh, default resource that we encourage people to go to if they don't know of any other devotionals. Uh, we have this in paperback uh, out here. Uh, you can pick it up off our ministry center, or you can get it on your Android or your your I, Apple um, iPhone. Uh, you can uh, get it emailed to you. You can call up, and somebody will personally read it to you. No, not that, but uh, all I'm saying is that it's available. Okay, 
All right. Very good. So you need to grow yourself. Now, then that needs to be passed on to your children. Hebrews, uh, excuse me, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 6. It says here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. This is a Shema. We've talked about this before. Uh, this is what they repeated three times a day. The point is, it's all about lordship, is that my whole life is about God, and I'm going to give every fiber of my being over to God. And uh, that's, what they, that's the way they were supposed to live their lives. And then in verse 7, it talks about how they're to pass this on to their children and impress them. Again, the idea of intentionality uh, on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home. So as you sit around uh, the house, it's really just building spiritual conversations from everyday experiences. So your child's talking to you about an issue at school. And one thing you always want to do is you want to pray with your child. Every time they come to you with a problem or an issue, let's take a moment to pray about this. And what you teach, teach them is the first thing you do whenever you have any type of issue you're anxious about or that's a challenge, you pray. All right, you teach them that way. And then, and then as you talk about the issue, you bring up, bring up biblical principles about how you deal with this particular area of your life. Uh, and when you walk along the road, uh, or when you're driving, whatever the case might be, you've got a captive audience, uh, just, again, talk about life and take advantage of those teachable moments. When you lie down, when you get up, those are great times to pray. Uh, just to talk to your child about their day. Um, it's a gentle time, a tender time for them. Uh, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. They actually did that. Uh, put this scripture uh, in little boxes. Uh, write them on the door frames of your houses, on your gates. The point is, make it the central point of your life to teach your kids the Word of God. Here are some other ways that I've listed. Uh, everyday experiences leading uh, the spiritual conversations, prayer times throughout the day, devotional time. Uh, Keys for Kids is another online devotional. And it, on your message notes, I have a bunch of websites there that you can access. Keys for Kids. I've got Focus on the Family. they just got tons of resources on raising children. Uh, another critical one is church and tenants. Or really a better way, I should have said that, was church involvement. Uh, you know, we were heartstrung for families, right, here at Springbrook. And we put a lot of resources in to helping you train your children. Now, you, you have the ultimate responsibility. You don't depend upon us, but we want to resource you. So you come here on the weekends, and uh, your little kids go back to KOTK, and then we have the high school, and junior high, uh, being taught by Pastor Justin, and just make service attendance a priority in your family. As I've said many times before, guys, just show up. (laughs) Just say, we're going to church today, and we're going to church every Sunday, unless we're on vacation or something like that. Uh, The average churchgoer goes twice a month. That's not right. God was very clear in Scripture that we need to come together regularly, weekly. That's a pattern in the New Testament. And saying, hey, I as a dad am saying, this is the way our family is going to live. We're going to make church attendance a priority. We're going to be there. 
And, and again, when you're here, of course, you know, you're learning God's Word, you're worshiping God. And, and even, uh, well, just as important as you're, you're interacting with Christian adults, that your kids are, that is, they love God, they love the kids, and you're interacting with friends, and all this rubs off on your kids in terms of how to live life because they have so many different models that they uh, can look at. Then we have activities during the week. Now, one thing I didn't list here was Awana, which is on Wednesday nights. It will start up again in the fall. And then we have Jam for junior high, Tuesday nights in the fall. They went to Great America about a week ago. They're going to Warren Dunes, a lot of fun activities this summer. And Thrive, which is senior high, that's Thursday nights currently. In fact, they just came back uh, from a missions trip that I'll talk about later. Uh, but these are, these are things your kids should be involved in. You should make your kids go to these things. And I know when it comes into spiritual arts, well, you shouldn't make your kids go to things, you know, they kind of need to want to go. Ah, forget all that. Come on now, you know. I mean, what, what, what if your kid gets up, ah, I want to go to school today. You know what, honey? If you're not ready to learn today, I'm going to call them and tell them that maybe tomorrow you'll be ready to learn. <laughs> well, friends, I mean, if your kid's not crazy about coming to church, saying, I'm sorry you feel that way, but you're coming anyway. All right? Because this is stuff you need to know. And it's just an imperative. I mean, like Awana, that's like a no-brainer to me. You should have your kid involved in Awana unless you're going to some other type of Bible education. And it's just not knowing the Word. It's, it's the socialization that takes place and hanging around with other you know, people who love the Lord and, and just the, the idea of a whole group of kids getting together and valuing Scripture uh, and memorizing Scripture. That's a given. And the high school and junior high programs uh, that we have, they, they just should go. I, we told our kids, hey, you need to go uh, to youth group tonight. Oh, yeah, I want to go to youth group. You're going to youth group. I'm sorry. That's the way it's going to be. And I believe that's the way it should be done. Now, you want to listen to your kids. If they have problems, Justin's very good at working with parents. You know, my kid has this concern or that concern. But you just need to... You know, push them in that direction. Now, when they get into senior high uh, and, you know, sophomore and uh, junior, senior type thing, and, and for whatever reason, they're not connecting and they've tried to connect. That's the important thing. They've tried to connect. I talk to parents and say, well, they're not really, you know, connecting with the youth group. Are they gone? No. Okay, well, we've got a problem there. <laughs> so if they really have tried to connect, we've told our kids, you know, when they've been frustrated in the past for whatever reason, uh, I just say, okay, well, if you're not going to Springbrook's youth group, you're going someplace else. There's a lot of youth groups in the area. You choose a youth group. I can't leave a church. So <laughs> you know, I say, go somewhere. You see, you just got to make it a priority because it's more important than anything else you'll do in your child's life. So, uh, again, just encourage you. Uh, in those ways. Another thing is you need to pray for your kids. This is so important in the spiritual battle uh, that we're in. Uh, we read in Ephesians 6, 17, and 18, and take the helmet of salvation. So what Paul's done here in Ephesians 6 is he lays out the uh, spiritual armor, the armor of God that we're supposed to wear to protect us from Satan's attacks, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. Uh, Praying at all times in the Spirit. Uh, prayer is not really a tie to any of the armor pieces, but I, I think it's very much a part of the armor. 
uh, because it says right here, praying at all times in the Spirit with prayer and supplication. Uh, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So several different times there, he, he uh, talks about prayer. We need to be praying for our kids, you know. It's so important. Here are some different ways you can pray for your kids. Uh, we have, first of all, you want to pray uh, for yourself. Uh, the next slide up there. Um, on prayer for your kids. We have a prayer for kids slide or not? Oh, there it is. Okay. Pray for your own spiritual growth. Uh, pray for spiritual growth for your kids. Pray against patterns of sins in your children's life. Pray for spiritual passion for the Word. Pray for protection from evil. Pray for internalization of faith. And pray for Christian friends. That's a big one. Pray for Christian friends, and that's why the church is so important. So uh, those are all different uh, ways you can pray for your kids. I asked John Hathaway uh, just to take a few minutes uh, to share with us about uh, what he and Catherine do in relationship to building spiritual values into their kids. They've got a not 11 kids, uh, overwhelming, but uh, they have four kids, the oldest being 11, and uh, two under the age of two. So uh, they're right in the midst of uh, a lot of activity. So go ahead, John. Well, first, a disclaimer. Um, I, am, I am not a master of anything. All right, I haven't mastered anything in this, uh, this regard for fatherhood. Um, but happy Father's Day. I remember when I first became a father. Um, was the, uh, the most blessed and terrified I've ever been at once. Um, so I think Dan really asked me to come up here because uh, he likes to see me squirm. And, <laughs> um, the, the truth is God has blessed Catherine and I with, with four amazing kids. Um, and... Um, you know, we, we've tried things throughout the years to, to bring them closer to God and to cultivate a relationship with Christ. And um, I'll share some of those things. And, you know, they may not be right for you. Um, we found that they're good to have uh, options available to us because uh, the quick and simple answer to your question is we take it day by day. And some days we take it hour by hour and we trust that God will give us the tools that we need to make it through. Um, uh, we have been blessed with uh, Nathan, who just turned one. Uh, God bless him. <laughs> He's lucky he made it that far. Um, <laughs> but we, uh, I say foundationally, right? Be committed to a church body. Um, become members uh, and make, make attendance, regular attendance, um, a priority. You know, that's, that's paramount. Um, one of the things that uh, that we've cherished in their growth is uh, being a part of a small group. You know, we get to see them grow through that experience as well. It's a family small group experience. They get to see in real life what it's like to, to do life together, to grow spiritually with other Christians, and to develop friendships with uh, Christian kiddos. And uh, so that's been real uh, influential, I think, in their uh, their upbringing. And, uh, you know, this church offers so many great tools like Awana and the youth group and Jam and Tight and VBS. And, you know, we try to get our kids engaged in those things. Um, not, not as consistently, you know, like VBS will be out of town. But, again, when it, when it works, they're here. And um, so I guess, you know, 
some of the things we've worked through here, uh, we're intentional uh, about spending life with our kids and engaging with them and getting to know their friends. You know, I think that's that's an important thing. Know who they're hanging out with and and who's influencing them. Um, we're real cautious with the media that uh, that goes into their minds. Um, you know, in my house we have a we have a rule about uh, how much skin is too much skin to go out in public. So, what's the right amount, you know, of clothing you should be wearing? I, I, Caitlin, my daughter, um, you know, you've heard the saying, "God doesn't give you more than you can handle," and that's why He's only given me one girl. Um, <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Um, yeah, she knows if I get my way, she'll be wearing white overalls, a sweatshirt, and a veil for a wedding. Um, but I mean, just just little things like that. And I think the one thing that really rings true um, is, I guess, the one area that we're consistent is Catherine and I are um, just dedicated to being transparent. You know, we're uh, this is who we are, and this is what we believe, and uh, you know, this is the path that we've chosen, and uh, we're not ashamed of that. And we, we do life every day. We show our kids this is what it looks like to, to try to glorify God and to fail and to try again. Um, you know, we, we have this thing called the Jesus filter that we like to, to run things through before words start coming out of our head or, you know, we uh, make decisions. Um, and I think those are, those are really lessons that they're going to learn each day um, that I hope. You know, and I pray that we'll stick with them as they grow into adulthood and start families of their own. So, thanks, John. Appreciate it, bud. Well, let's look at some next steps here. You can take your programs and rip that off. And if you're a guest here, thank you so much uh, for joining us. If you could just fill out the information there. Also, any prayer requests that you might have. If you're a regular attender, all you have to do is put the names of adults that are here. And then uh, under the welcome date and name, you'll see next steps. And this is just a way of you saying, hey, this is how I want to respond to what's been taught uh, today. So you'll see uh, the numbers that are represented here. I guess we have two twos. So <laughs> I'll spend uh, time daily with God uh, this summer. I'll pray for my children uh, daily. I'll do a weekly devotional with my children. I'll make it a priority to involve my family in church. I'll buy and read a Christian book on fathering this summer. Uh, I will invite a child out to VBS. I'll memorize First Peter 4.10, our monthly verse. And I'm interested in knowing more about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's go back to that book. Uh, this is a great book uh, you might want to buy if you dads have been inspired and want to really dig in and know more. Uh, Ken Canfield, They Call Me Dad, listed for about 12 bucks on CBD. So you can pick that book up and uh, you know, use this summer to kind of sharpen your tools uh, in your dad toolbox. Well, I uh, want to give our condolences to Darren and Kim Jocelyn. Darren lost his dad this past week. And uh, I'm praying for your brother. And I know it's a difficult Father's Day for many of you. Maybe you lost your dad in the last several years. Or maybe uh, you had a tough relationship uh, with your dad. And, uh, you know, the great news is that God is our Heavenly Father. And whatever our dad didn't give us, he certainly can. Uh, 
make up for. Uh, so let's pray together. Dear Lord, I, I pray uh, for all of us as we celebrate Father's Day. If it's painful, I pray we bring that pain to you and uh, help us to uh, lean upon you and help your mercy to flow our way. I pray that uh, we would celebrate all the dads uh, that surround us and encourage them in the very important work uh, that they have. In Christ's name, amen. I think I have our ushers come forward at this time to...